War Report family, it's your boy Mike G here with my guy Ike Jones. We got a special guest for you guys today. Auburn running back from 2004 to 2007, freshman member of the 2004 undefeated team, Carl Stewart. Carl, thanks for joining us, man. Thank y'all for having me, man. (laughs) Yeah, man, we appreciate you coming out here and talking to us for a little bit, man. We're looking forward to the conversation. All right, Carl. So we appreciate you joining us today uh, to help us educate our listeners a little bit on what it's like to play running back at Auburn. You had an important distinction in Auburn history as being a true freshman on an undefeated squad. So, you know, you were in the running back room with some guys that uh, were were pretty known in Auburn lore, Carnell. Ronnie, you know, there were, there were some good, there were some great guys in there. So, uh, I, uh, I wanted you to talk to us a little bit about what it is, was like for you being the new guy on a squad with that level of running backs in the room. What did you learn from those guys? And what was that like being in the running back room with those guys? It, uh, it was a crazy situation. And, uh, to be honest, the, the main reason that I chose to go to Auburn is, uh, I wanted to learn from Carnell and Ronnie. Uh, just two dynamic running backs that were great in their own right, but they did things so differently from one another. Uh, and then when you get them both together, it's just uh, fireworks, and, and they always kept us laughing. So regardless of what was happening in the locker room, in the meeting room, those two kept everything light, but they knew exactly what they were doing and always made sure to work hard. That showed really well on the field. Um, you know, Ronnie came in as a big bruising back, and Carnell... I used to call Carnell Wild Legs Carnell because it just seemed like when he would run, his legs would be moving 10 yards in front of where he was. And he just had that motor that kept going. And uh, it was just a great experience because coming in as a young guy, being able to learn from two legends uh, was really important for my development as well. Listen, Carl, the, the running back room when you were at Auburn was legendary. Right. Like it was one of the best rooms I think you, uh, we can remember in Auburn history. So just talk about like a little bit of what it was like in practice. Right. With with all of those guys, even after, you know, the time with Cadillac and Ronnie, you still had Kenny Irons there on the team. Right. So just talk about a little bit about like the competition that was going on. If there, if it was competitive in the running back room, just trying to figure out how you all were going to uh, get the ball to all of these dynamic running backs that were on that team. You know, as far as the competition side of it about getting the ball, uh, I be honest, it's something that we never really thought about. Uh, but we just competed with each other in the weight room. We competed with each other on who could crack the best jokes, things like that. And, uh, yeah, like you said, those those locker rooms were, were next level. You know, at one point, of course, you already mentioned Carnell and Ronnie. But we also had Brandon Jacobs. We had Trey Smith. Trey Smith, uh, yeah. So, you know, these are guys that in their own right can go out and be the number one back anywhere they would have gone. And you had all of us in the same room. And uh, it was, we had a good chemistry, though. Like, uh, I don't think there was any bad blood amongst us. And, uh, yeah, the, the first thing from my mind was, was seeing who was going to get the ball here, who's going to get the ball there. And, uh, you know, after those older guys had left, it was still myself, uh, Kenny Irons. We had Ben Tate. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, we had Brad Lester in the locker room as well. And uh, you had uh, a whole bunch of different personalities and things like that. But for some way, we, we made it work and uh, we all came together as one. OK, Carl, let's talk team culture for a second. So big news on the planes. Auburn has a new coach. Um, and I think uh, along with a system change, one of the things that we're looking forward to as fans is a culture change. 
you know, there were some things behind the scenes there uh, that didn't seem like they were right, you know, from a culture standpoint. Um, can you talk a little bit about what team culture was like for you guys? I mean, uh, in all the building report interviews that we do, one thing that stands out is brotherhood, the culture, you know, inside and outside of the athletic department and also in the weight room. Can you talk a little bit about what the culture was like on that team? Uh, yeah, with us, brotherhood was really a big, important part of it. Um, I think that uh, when I was there, the coaches were very standoffish. Um, so to be honest, for a lot of the times, the only people we could really depend on were each other. And uh, we'd come across a tough situation, whether it be athletically or academically. Uh, the first people we would turn to were to, were to each other. And, uh, you know, we had one rule around there. It's just don't let it, don't let each other down. And the next rule was uh, from Coach Yoxel, uh, the, the world famous strength and conditioning coach, was work hard work. And uh, we just made it work with each other, and we just knew that we could depend on each other. So, yeah, brotherhood was always the bottom line for us. All right. Now, if we was on the live show, you would have had to take a shot after talking strength and conditioning. But since you brought it up, you know, that's kind of a theme of our show. Let's talk a little bit about the strength and conditioning program when you were on the planes and just the uh, the types of things that you had to do uh, from that standpoint to get from the high school physique to the college physique and then how that transitioned into the pro physique. Talk to me a little bit about that program that you were on to get yourself collegiate ready for the SEC ball. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't really want to talk about this, but I'm going to go into it since you asked. Since you asked, I'm going to go into it. Uh, you know, I think coming in uh, coming into Auburn, I think I was 187 pounds soaking wet. Oh, wow. Um, so the, the main thing that they wanted me to do was bulk up and put on those pounds as, as quickly as I could, but also as safely and efficiently as we could. So the, the main thing that Coach Yox had me doing was, uh, Mike, you probably saw this, we were drinking muscle milk and, and shakes and stuff all throughout the day and I had a timer on my watch for like every 30 minutes every 30 minutes that timer went off I would have to drink a protein powder mm. and then I would have to eat a snack and do this uh, but it paid off because uh, by middle way through that through my sophomore year I think I had gotten up to about 227 pounds and uh, it felt really good at that weight so um, and uh, I think the way that we did things differently around there is uh, Coach Yox never really tried to make a point of what is your maximum weight. So when we would do our max outs, he didn't count it unless you could do it twice. So oh, wow. wow, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we we made sure to to do things the right way, and uh, it wasn't braggadocious or anything like that. We just were trying to get in there and and and, and bulk up and, and and do what we needed to do. Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. You can support us by visiting our merchandise store. You can find links to the merchandise store on Facebook and the About section on our YouTube channel. If you would like access to more premium content, visit us on YouTube and click join to become an insider. War Eagle, and now back to more of the show. Okay, so you mentioned the world famous Kevin Yoxel. Uh, Strength and conditioning is a theme on our show. Uh, so we talk a lot about uh, strength and conditioning uh, and, you know, our tagline is get your weight up. So you definitely did that going from 187 to 220 something. Um, but I want to I want to stick with strength and conditioning here for a second, because it seems like that was one of the biggest culture changes from when you played until now. 
You know, what was the craziest thing Yox had you do on that practice field for strength and conditioning? I've heard some stories, but I, I want to hear from you. What's the craziest thing Yox had you do? Ah, uh, the craziest thing. I got two of them. If you got time, I got two oh, of them. Listen, it's on you, bro. So number one, uh, Coach Yox had these weight vests and. It's, it's folklore now. I don't remember exactly how much they weighed. They felt like they weighed 200 pounds, <laughs> but I think in reality, they were only about 35 pounds. And uh, he would give us a two by four. And it was a, a drill that he liked to call pushing the boards. And so you had to push the board down and back across the field. So 110 yards. And that was one rep. And he would make you do three or four sets of like eight reps of doing that. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you afterwards, uh, the, the, the burn in your body, it felt like an inferno. You couldn't move. Uh, so I actually had to have people help, like, drag me into class because we'd be doing this in the morning. And then we'd take a shower. We had to go to class. I'm in class struggling through the whole thing. And uh, another thing I still get nightmares about is that hill. Uh, I don't know if it's still there, but there's still a big... Uh, yeah, we saw still some there. for them doing the hill yeah, uh, recently. Still there. So, yeah. yeah, so, you know, that hill by the weight room, uh, Yox would have us go up and down that hill with the weight vest on. Uh, I, I would lose count. Uh, so I don't know how many times I've been up and down that hill, but, you know, I'm 35 years old. And I'm still getting nightmares about having to run that hill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so obviously it benefited you to be able to, to get your weight up and, and, and get out there and, and be able to um, do all the strength and conditioning things that were necessary. Um how did you feel like that translated into you being able to perform consistently on Saturdays, right? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's cool, it's cute to do all the little exercise, but like, did you really feel prepared for SEC competition on a, on a game-in, game-out basis? You know, you were playing kind of that hybrid full-bag running back position, so I'm sure you were having to take on blocks from these big linebackers, right? Like, you, you're hitting grown men out there in the SEC. Kind of, how, how did that translate to your ability to, to play on a consistent basis? As far as being able to take the hits and give the hits, you know, I felt like it prepared me uh, to go toe-to-toe with anybody in the country at that point. And if you combine that with my mentality at the time was running through a wall and then trying to smile afterwards. Uh, I, I was dumb enough and, and strong enough at the time to go ahead and do it. Uh, but going back to being prepared, I think as a team, and it showed a lot. And uh, it showed up until just a few years ago, even during the Cardiac Cats era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Auburn got, got off to slower starts, but they always finished very strong because those guys, we never got tired. Right. We would get into the third and fourth quarter when I was playing the other team, arms arms on their hips, head down, bent over, slumped, and everybody on our side was ready to go for the next play to the next play. And uh, that was just something with us. We, we never had any quit in us, regardless. And uh, the conditioning really helped with that. Mm. Mm. Listen, I'm loving all this strength and conditioning talk because, right. uh, you know, the, uh, that's that's kind of my thing on this show. Uh, but I want to stick with that just a little bit and, and talk about, um, you know, what it took um, to make it through those practices and then what that meant in terms of the game, you kind of hit on it. One of the things that came out um, about Gus's time at Auburn was that they weren't running 1v1s in practice. And when I say 1v1s, I mean first team offense versus first team defense. And in all the interviews that we've had... Uh, that expression you, that you just had on your yeah, face. <laughs> you guys talk a lot about 
uh, significant moments that you had in ones versus ones. We had Courtney Taylor on and he said, you know, uh, Carlos Rogers was the best I'd faced. And when I started to beat him in practice on Saturday, it was like, who was going to stop me? He's the best. So who's going to stop me on Saturdays? Now, Carlos disputes that account of him getting beat in, in practice. <laughs> but uh, the point was taken. You know, Courtney left Auburn as the leader, all-time leader in receptions. Right. And everything you threw his way, he probably had one of the greatest catches in the last 20 years in that 4th and 12 versus LSU. Right, you know, um, where Jason threw it right where it needed to be. He ran the route to the perfect depth and then caught the ball. And he said he ran that route a million times on Carlos Rogers in practice. So can you talk about uh, ones versus ones and the importance of that plays in cultivating a winning mindset for Saturdays? First off, I, I didn't know that about them not doing ones v ones anymore. I think that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, coming, in, I mean. Once I did get to that starting position, that was something we looked forward to, was being able to get out there ones v ones because, uh, you know, the guys that I would be going against, Stanley McClover was one, and uh, Quentin Gross, Quentin Gross, you know, rest in peace, was uh, like, you don't get any better competition than that. And that's really where you show, I can do this. This play actually works against the right. best in the country. Um the, the battles that we had, those are what prepared me. Because if you can get through those guys in practice and you we've you, you amped each other up the whole week, you're not going to do this. You're not going to be able to stop me doing this. If you can get through those types of practices with 1v1, the best in the country, then you know you can do it against anybody. And and that's what really prepared us to go out and perform and, and do what we could do on the Saturdays. All right. Well, well, let's step it forward a little bit, right? So you, you, you're going through your Auburn career and you're coming to the end and getting prepared to try to make the leap into the NFL, right? So, um, we've got a lot of hopefuls right now for Auburn who are doing, going through a similar process. They're not going to get to go to the combine like you did, um, but they are going to get a pro day. So just kind of talk to us a little bit about the things that you felt like you needed to work on or if you were giving some advice to a running back who's trying to make that transition that they need to work on to try to get their game to the next level so that they can you know have some 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 pro success possibly um if i were to give advice uh the number one thing would be work on the fundamentals i think a lot of guys see uh players at these higher levels and they only see the end product you know they're going out here they're doing the spin move they're jumping they're being flashy, the jukes and this and that. Uh, and when you when you idolize those types of things, then you you forget about your footwork in the backfield. You forget about your timing. You forget about reading your blocks. You forget about knowing the blocking schemes uh, and, and, and ball security. You forget all of those things uh, fundamentally that are the most important things to being a good running back. Uh, and the, the first thing, the one thing that really shocked me about being at the Combine is uh, you go through massive amounts of interviews. And it's not just, hey, how you doing? What's your name? They, they get into some in-depth questions. Like, you had this third and five down play against Arkansas in this season, and you were in this situation. Uh, to kind of walk me through what you were in that play. Uh, I see you guys run a lot of inside zone. What would you do in this situation? They're drawing these things up on the board. Like, they don't just try to go out and get the best athletes. Uh I think across the board, you're going to see guys at every level are top level athletes. 
they want to make sure that you got the, the brains to go with it. And, and that's the X factor that sets you apart. Having those fundamentals, uh, being a student of the game, uh, all the best players I've ever known can tell you every single play from every single team that they've been on. And I mean, Peyton Manning is a great example. Peyton Manning, uh, Tony Romo even, he knows the plays before they're going to happen. And, and th- those are the types of things that they're looking for to get to the next level. Uh, as far as physically, you just can't be afraid to be in that weight room. Uh, uh, coming into Auburn, I think our, our, our freshman class, there were about 25 of us, and we graduated with maybe 12, something like that. Uh, and they're, they're going to get it out of you. And if you can't cut the mustard in the weight room, on the practice field, then you're not going to make it at any level. And so you got to make sure you put in the work uh, to get to where you want to be. All right, Carl. Let's talk blocking for a second. Yeah, you uh, mentioned it on in your. In, I, I was I was hoping we were going here next. So let's talk. All right, about it. let's talk blocking for a second, and and the importance uh, that that plays in a running back being able to see the field and not be a liability for his quarterback or for his team, for that matter. Um, you know, uh, you guys were excellent blockers, and it seemed that that was kind of like a tenant of of the era that you played in. We had excellent. O-line, but we also had excellent blocking wide receivers and excellent blocking running backs. So can you talk about what it's like learning how to be a good blocker? Um, you know, did you did you come in a good blocker? Did they teach you that at Auburn? Like, what is that process like? I got to tell on myself a little bit. I never even thought about blocking in high school. Okay. Um, I'm so sure a lot of high school kids like that, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was get the ball and run as quickly as you could to the outside and try to get to the end zone and, and, and try to pad your stats. So for me, pass blocking, blocking for other people was like the last thing in my mind. Things changed day one of pads. Uh, Mike, you saw it. We would go through the different stations and every single day, one of the stations was pass protection, blocking. Uh, you, you run through the bags, you run through this. And so it was something that was drilled into you from day one. And uh, it, it was a, a key thing. And um, it's important because like you said, and like we talked about earlier, if you're not able to do that, you're a liability because when you're in the game, they're not going to be able to efficiently pass and you can't be a three down back. You know, I talked about Frank Gore early on in his career. Um, he wasn't able to really do a lot of pass blocking and things like that. So they didn't keep him on the field as much. But uh, Frank is a great guy, and I, I got to know him in San Francisco. Once he learned how to pass block, you could see his production really started to skyrocket because they could keep him on the field a lot longer, and he was a three-down back at that point. Mm. Yeah. Um, listen, I said it while you were making your comment. I, I think that's probably the story for a lot of kids who were the star at their high school, right? Like, they weren't out there. To, if you weren't an offensive lineman, you weren't out there to block. You were out there to get the ball and score, or if you were on defense, you know, you. but there's a guy who's on our team right now. I'm a big fan of this guy, you know, J.J. Pegues, uh, who was kind of Mr. Everything at his high school, right? He was playing Wildcat quarterback as a big, you know, guy, right? And so, Hell of a basketball player, too. Yeah, so we know he's accustomed to having the ball in his hands, but likely in this new scheme of offense, he's going to either be playing tight end or he's going to be playing some sort of hybrid running back, fullback position, kind of like what you did at Auburn. So talk about, you know, you, you talked about it a little bit, but just the mentality change that it takes to kind of be a little less selfish, right? The unselfishness or whatever it takes to transition and be that guy for your team a little bit. I mean, being unselfish, it's, uh, it's just a matter of, uh, of buying into the system. And I think that if, uh, if you've got a strong 
cohesive system and you've got, you know, just like a good environment with the players and a feeling of brotherhood around, that's never a tough decision at all. You're going to do whatever you need to do for that team. And that's going to be your number one priority. Um, going back to, to JJ, uh, I think JJ is the epitome of what I've seen in changes over the past few years. I think the first uh, athletic freak, well, not the first, but the guy that, that really comes to mind is Cam Newton at that size being able to play quarterback. And now you're seeing JJ, I think it's JJ 300 pounds. Yeah, if he's not, he's close. He's a big guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. So JJ, JJ is that big, but he's able to get out there and move. And it's not just, oh, he moves well for a big guy. No, right. JJ moves good, period, for any any guy on the field. Um, and, you know, I don't know what Coach Harrison has planned for him. I, I think that you, you're right with the tight end kind of hybrid role. Uh, but some form of fashion, they're going to have to make sure that they utilize his gifts on their field. And uh, I think that'll come after he buys into whatever system Coach Harrison puts in and uh, and Coach Harrison gets more confidence in his abilities and, and they can move from there. Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. As we continue to grow, we're asking our community for help. So if you would like to support us, please visit the About section on our YouTube channel. You can also find the link on our Facebook page. We appreciate your support and War Eagle. I want to I want to talk coaching for a second, Carl. Um, you know, one of the things that we've heard in these interviews is the importance of your position coach. Um, now, I believe Eddie Grant was our running back coach when you were there, right? Um, you played for Coach Grant. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what your relationship with your position coach is and what role that plays for guys coming in um, trying to buy into a system? We've got all new coaches, right? So uh, we kept our running back coach from from the previous Cadillac is is, is the running back coach. Um, but can you talk about, again, what these kids need from their coach to be able to succeed on the next level? It's about leadership. Um I think for a lot of the guys in that locker room, and I think, and this goes across the country, uh, this is their first time being away from home, being away from a type of parental figure. And when I was there at Auburn, the person that we spent the most time with is from the coaching staff was that position coach. And I think for a lot of people, they looked at him as sort of a father figure and they kind of followed that lead. Um, I think Cadillac is great because he's been in that situation before and he's going to show them the right way to do things. Uh, for me personally, Coach Grand was 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 tough. Coach Grand had a very systematic way of doing things. It was kind of uh, kind of robotic, but he knew exactly what he was talking about. And you know, like I talked about going through practices and, and doing all these different drills, Coach Grand prepared you for all the work on the field. So uh, I think for a guy coming in, they're going to be looking for that leadership factor, and uh, that gives them something to look forward to and somebody to look up to. All right. So, uh, you know, Mike is the strength and conditioning guy. You know, he's the development guy. I am the preparation and film guy. Right. Like that's my, my thing is like breaking down film and really like I, I'm, you know, I didn't play football for real, but I, I love watching the film and just kind of being able to get into the nuance of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, were you a film guy? Like, did you really get in and, and watch film a lot and, and just talk the importance of being able to have that preparation, that mental preparation of going in and watching the film? Can you can you hip us to that a little bit? I was a film nerd. Uh, <laughs> I was a film nerd, and uh, you were a nerd. Period. I was a nerd. Period. But um, 
I, I didn't really, I didn't understand the importance of film. You know, like we said, high school, you watch film when you have to. And and I never really understood the importance of watching film. I thought it was just another one of the things that you had to go through. So I would go through the motions a lot. I think my freshman year, I wasn't getting a lot of playtime, but I was always watching film. And I, I still didn't really get it. But things really started to click. Uh, probably my about, about my junior year. Uh, I started getting more into that hybrid role, and they put me more outside of the backfield. Uh, and when you're out of the backfield and you're out of the wide receiver position, I feel like you get a better chance to kind of see what's going on with the defensive backs and what the linebackers are doing. And there, there were so many times during that season, uh, I would remember something from film, and it wouldn't be uh, there in this scheme because um, it's third down or whatever. I, I would see a guy put too much weight on his left foot. Or I, I would mm. see somebody's hand twitching or something like that. Mm. Uh, and these are things, because film never lies. Right. If you watch enough film, you start to see these these personality traits from from particular players. And if you get that type of advantage and you can use that on the field, then it's it's a gold mine. And once I figured out, you know, how valuable that was to kind of get those clues, then from then on it was always watching film and even when I wasn't having to watch film, I was still in there trying to watch film. And it paid dividends for me because there were a lot of guys who I went up against that I should I had no business beating. Uh, because they were they were bigger, stronger, faster than I was. But because I knew where they were going to be, I knew how they tried to behave, and I knew what they were about to do. I beat them to the spot, and it paid off for me. Well, Carl, I'm I'm happy to see that you've actually found a lot of success uh, post your playing career. Can you talk to us a little bit about what life has been like for you after football and, and what you're doing now? Uh, life is good. Life is good. Um, uh, I moved down here to Houston about 10 years ago with my, for my wife, Soyan. Uh, we actually met at Auburn. And uh, then I'm uh, a huge Auburn fan, so uh, it was it was a great connection from there. My wife is an uh, Alabama fan, so I can't, I, I don't know what that feels like. So. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> I, I feel for you. I feel for you then. <laughs> um yeah, I got, I got into oil and gas when I first moved down to Houston. Uh, the 2016 oil crash happened, and uh, I figured it was time for a change. Uh, went to law school. I, I just finished up law school last year, and now I'm an attorney here. Uh, been happily married now for almost almost eight years. <laughs> almost eight years, and we got a three-year-old son. Uh, so I'm just living life, being an attorney, a husband and a dad down here in Houston. Well, Carl, listen, we really appreciate you joining us today to help uh, educate our listeners on the game and what you guys went through and what it's going to take for this new team to find success, kind of emulating some of the things that you guys did when you were playing. Uh, So we appreciate you joining us uh, today. All right. Thank you for having me. As always, we are The War Report. If you want more interviews like this, please click like and subscribe. We are The War Report on Twitter and Instagram. TW Report on TikTok. Gentlemen, we're signing off. And as always, War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.